0: Welcome back to another mental wellness Mondays brought to you by two Brook Tone Bells in conjunction with wide love and thrive and their lovely representative Dr. Nirai, who, as we've discussed in past episodes is now kind of overshadowing us. I mean, at, at this point we, we might end up co-hosting with her. it. It might just be, you know, the Dr. Nirai show with her sidekicks. No,
1: maybe it's three broke twin you know, But <laughs> so we're not broke.
0: Danielle, we, we've become the pips. Like we've become the pips and she's glad it's night. <laughs> there we go.
1: There we go. Um,
2: I, I would have gone with we've become the orchestra bericuatro and she is Simon Chimbeto You see, you gotta bring it local. Our listeners need to, to
0: understand.
1: Okay.
3: <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: I don't understand.
0: You see? Even Dr. Nyara is like, "What are you on about?" Anyway, <laughs> welcome back to me- Mental Wellness Mondays, and today we have a special, special, special guest to with us today. We have a Vanessa Hounsell, who's a qualified therapist. Um, with uh, there's a lot of letters here, um, but <laughs> just know she's very qualified. She's got qualifications from UCT, okay from from the United Kingdom, I believe. There's an institution in Newcastle, and and she focuses in. Oh wait a minute! She also has a musical. Yeah, Dan, Dan. This is there's,
2: m- there's also Australia.
0: There's a discussion. There's a musical discussion. I mean, like I'm looking at this bio. I've not seen a bio this long since Clemens. Like
3: <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure about that.
0: <laughs> like this is this is this is this is chucker block. This is a block. But yes. Um she, she, she's lived, um, pretty much all across the world from South Africa to, to the United Kingdom and now in Zimbabwe. And she has taught in schools as well as run her own art therapy practice with private clients, as well as many group therapy collaborations over the past 10 years. And Vanessa is currently establishing a foundation for occupational and expressive arts therapy, Creative Mind Health Zimbabwe, offering a wide choice of therapy and educational training programs. So, I mean, th- th- this, th- this is, uh, uh, what, well, what did they say, Dan? Um, a glowing, a glowing CV.
1: Yes.
0: Mm. I mean, which other podcast is bringing you such accomplished and distinguished guests?
1: Who? Whomst? Zimbab- Whomst? Zimbabwe- local Zimbabweans. Can you imagine? It's,
0: it's,
2: it's only this podcast, Dr. Nirai and the Pips, that would bring you this kind of information. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Before before we actually speak to her, uh, we do want to say thank you very much to our sponsor, uh, Bon V Medical Aid. Uh, bon V is a, a medical aid that uh, gives you lots of options, including uh, plans that can help you with your mental wellness. Uh, if you want to check out more about Bon V, you can go to twobrooktwimbles.com forward slash Bon V and you can find out how Bon V cares about not only your mental health, but also your physical health as well. We want to thank them for their sponsorship of this program. Uh, or if you want to find out more about Bon V, you can contact Varaidzo, on zero seven eight seven zero six zero zero three seven and uh, you can reach out to her and uh, find out some more information or go check out their facebook Bon v medical all right um do you mind if we call you Vanessa
3: please call me Vanessa
2: lovely okay and and you know all protocols observed thank you very <laughs> much for for joining us we've actually discussed art therapy on this podcast before, so it's nice to always hear um more viewpoints and more
0: yeah. Uh, uh, um, um, information. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. sorry to interject then. I did bump into Josh um, at Hustlers Market a few weeks back. He really didn't, seem, uh, didn't seem a little too happy with us. Um, well, Philip,
2: you did insult him.
0: I did no such thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I've, I've opened uh, Vanessa's Instagram over here and I'm taking a look at some of these art pieces. Well, wow. wow. Okay. All right. All right. You you said you have some of these pieces for sale, Vanessa.
3: Yes, I do some. I exhibit and some of my work as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's actually a lovely exhibition coming up at York Road. Um, I think it's fourteen York Road, third of December. Gorgeous exhibition. I have to have, take the opportunity. Lots of, yeah. lots of um, small work. So, and in fact, that's where Doctor Raya's offices are. So you mm. must.
1: Yes, have- it's fifteen York Avenue because Road 15. is in Camphissa.
3: Okay, well, thank you for correcting me. And there's going to be a beautiful opening of lots of of work, and my work will be there as well. Lots of lots, number of artists.
0: Yeah. Nice, nice. Just down the road, I think I'll I'll pop in and have a look. Yeah, please do. Let me be careful because apparently Dan is plotting to rob me. So let me not give away too much information. (laughs) He was the one who said you're wealthy
3: earlier, so yeah, I have
0: to get no, 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 no. I I never said I was wealthy. I never said I was wealthy. I said we need to we need to have an abundance mindset. That's what I said. An abundance mindset. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so so Vanessa, please do tell us how you got into art therapy in the first place. How does one decide that this is what I'm going to do um, in life?
3: Okay, so I have i I'll be very open with you. I have a, a very personal link to art therapy. I have, I have an extremely long association with art. And um, I studied at UCT for five years. Having grown up in Cape Town, worked for a couple of years for NGOs and various um, yeah, sort of educational programs, moved to the UK, went into journalism and publishing. But I was working in the corporate world and I had no, I dropped my art completely, having had an entire history of art. I wasn't doing anything creative. And I was working in the corporate world and huge companies in London, in central London, um, doing the pavement pounding thing that one does in, in London. And um, I just became, I think, very depressed, actually. I became very depressed. I was just unhappy. I wasn't. My creative spark actually just literally went out. And I became depressed and I decided to resign from my job because I actually just hated it by that stage. And my instinct told me on the day I resigned, go and buy art materials because that's what you haven't done for years. So I went into an art shop in London. I bought a whole lot of art materials, including canvases, and I started painting. And what I painted were sort of what a, what ultimately I discovered when i studied art therapy were called, are called transformational emotional self portraits, and that was what I was painting. So the extraordinary thing was that my instinct actually took me right into art therapy to doing what I need to doing what to to start doing what I needed to heal. That's what I did. So that I, in fact, right, I was one of those people where right from day one, it was proven to me that art therapy worked because within a few months I was fine. I was back in a different, more satisfying job, gone on with my life. So that's, yeah, that's really where the journey started.
0: Mm. Lovely. So I wanted to find out when you say you abandoned your art journey, um, as someone who grew up as an artist, why did you decide to go corporate so to speak
3: you know what well, it was just to do with work and my my degrees took me in different directions away I didn't study fine art I studied but I did a huge amount of art tuition actually through school and then private colleges and so university and etc um but I think it was just you know different Areas of interest just took me in different directions, and then I kind of got sucked up in the corporate world, which is a very hard, hard world. Um, and as I say, most most jobs in the corporate world are actually very uncreative, like most majority are not creative tasks. You know, it's a lot of admin. Um, I ended up actually as, as an administration manager yeah. in a very huge legal publisher for a number of years, worked in legal publishing as well, which is really yeah. not, yeah, it's, it's it's you know, if that's your bent, if that's where you're heading it can be a fascinating world and very, very stimulating. And it was very stimulating in many ways, but it, I, I just lost my whole, yeah, I wasn't doing anything creative. And I just, you know, life took me, you know, life often does meander and I was just taken in that direction, really. Um, I think also because, you know, being a fine artist, um, I think there's, there's a kind of um, established percentage, so 1% of the world's fine artists actually managed to live off their fine art. So, therefore, my family really um, really directed me away from that. When I left school, they were all, oh, don't go and do fine art. You know, you're not na- able to make a living from it. Well, the kind of irony of that is, is that I'm not making a living. Everything I do is to do with art. I teach art. I'm an art therapist, qualified art therapist, and I exhibit my work. So, in fact, all the money I make in my life right now, and I even wrote for Zim Artist for a long time as an art journalist and also was paid to do that. So ironically <laughs> my life's come a full circle. Nice. But you know life life often takes us doesn't it
0: yeah. Mm, mm. I mean we can relate. I think but 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 with, with podcasting I think it's 0.000001% of podcasters.
3: That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> not that bad in. yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> so
2: so um bringing the conversation to the actual benefits to one's mental wellness. You know, when we discussed it last time, we we approached the discussion of of art therapy from the direction of how is it that painting or sculpting or any other form of, of art that you would use in art therapy, how is it that that contributes to one's mental health? And one of the things that we discussed, obviously, was the very fact of making something um, and completing yeah. making it contributes to uh you know one's mental well-being it helps psychologically uh, I wanted to expound on that a little bit more as uh, yourself as a qualified art therapist what are those actual benefits that we're talking about um why someone might be for example uh, diagnosed and then uh, prescribed to treat uh, uh any problems with uh, um uh, their mental well-being using art therapy
3: Yeah so Jenny it is a, that is a really big question um, and effectively, look, many, many different kinds of people, um, many kinds of different kinds of professionals send people to me. There are medical, you know, GPs, clinic, other clinical psychologists, school counsellors, and then obviously people, you know, just families are looking for help, um, either, either emotional support or mental health support. Um so what art, firstly, art treasures, art, art taps directly into the pleasure centres of the brain, which is kind of your first comment. Yes, it's a, it's a therapeutic, it's a healing, it's a very pleasurable tool. So when we actually, the minute we go into a, a form of communication that's very pleasurable and that taps into our reward centres of the brain, which is perhaps a better way of, descri- is a better way of describing it, um, we're immediately working in a, you know, a very positive zone it's it you're not working in the kind of um you work in a happy zone um and that immediately has you know it has an impact obviously um it takes us to a good a good space a therapeutic a space that is naturally therapeutic but the the most relevant thing about art therapy and i always say this to people is that the beauty of it and and the power of it really and i find this you know completely within my own personal journey is that it is using art as a, as a different language so it's giving you alter, language alternatives so instead of having you know imagine going into a clinical psychology setting and and give, being given the option of Vanessa would you like to speak japanese um, spanish and french today at your whim you know when french is you know, french is a romantic language they spanish is very soft and and has this lovely kind of musical quality um Japanese is a totally different kind of language. So it's giving me these amazing options. But the reality is, let's face it, that very few people speak all those three languages and certainly not fluently. But the beauty of art therapy and creative art therapy is that you go into a situation where you're told, right, so I'm actually, in fact, although I trained as an art therapist with a college in Sydney, um, I'm actually an expressive art therapist. So that means I use a range of modalities. So people come to me And they can do talk therapy. They can talk about their problems. Then I can ask them to draw their problems. So now that is highly relevant for someone where the the problem or the the issue is so painful, it's really hard to talk about. Secondly, a child, um, and I I I work with all, all ages, all age groups, but when I'm working with children, they may not even have the vocabulary required to actually express themselves and express their feelings. And very often children are actually not all that in touch with their feelings. They're not sure... You know, why that if you say to a child often, why do you feel sad? They say, I don't know. <laughs> and they'll start staring at the walls. I don't know. <laughs> so it gives them this amazing opportunity to express themselves creatively in what is a very reward rewarding space. Um, I also use things like writing. So if someone really naturally loves and and, and and heads towards writing and they enjoy writing, they start to write their stories. And I actually have a very recent story of a client who came to me for a long time. And when he first came to me, he was, I would describe him as a, a walking wall of pain. His whole life had been about pain. Really, everything was, was painful. Every experience he spoke of was painful. Every experience he because he came to me for art therapy, he was drawing a lot of his pen, and then we discovered. I don't. It was a whole. There's a lot of intuition in this work, but we kind of discovered through this whole journey that he loved writing. And so I said, "Well, would you like to start writing? The, you know, just write a paragraph. Started with sort of a paragraph, and then it became a flood. And but this beautiful flood where he just took off. He's still writing. You know, three or four months later." He keeps coming back to me and saying, is it all right if I keep on with the writing? (laughs) And he sends me this amazing story every week. And the beautiful thing is that he's, you know, in psychology we often talk about reframing. Um, So he's cognitively reframed his whole past life experience into a really positive one. He's writing all his stories about this beautiful, you know, all the fantastically funny, lovely, anecdotal moments in his life with his family, um, with his work. And he actually turned. Them, he's brought humour into it, you know. So he's brought this beautiful. There's so much humour in his work, um, and he's actually reframed his whole past experience just through writing. And but the, the art first took him there. You know, I do. I do think that the art led him in that direction very strongly and then opened up that door, and then he went into the writing. So often, you know, and, and it's kind of like, you know, a cat the chest its own tail, or, you know, it's you might start more with writing, go more into art. You might start more with art and go more into writing. You might, I mean, we do, we include music. Quite, well, I quite often include music. Um, I very recently had a, a fantastic, I'm running a little group at the moment, a little group of children, um, amongst my individual clients who are very musically minded and we just started the other day with their group by doing some musical improvisation and I discovered this a number of years ago that I'd worked with a group of of children who were quite um, yeah special needs and many were not autistic Um, and we started doing with musical improvisation and it was just so exciting because their musical ability was actually mind-blowing to me and and, I had, and these kids hadn't studied any form of, of formal music, but they just had this incredible improvisational ability, which I kind of discovered by chance. I stumbled over. And then interestingly, I, look, I researched it recently because I find music therapy so fascinating as well. We're also very short of music therapists in this country. Um, but I also discovered one of the, the sort of the big bastions of music therapy in Europe um, are using musical improvisation as their main f- instrument for healing. And it was kind of something that just came very naturally and evolved from my creative arts therapy work. You know, it just sort of happened that we stumbled over that and thought, okay, wow, this is really working. You know? So, yeah, that's what makes it, I think, such a dynamic and, and constantly changing and really fascinating field of work. Mm. Um,
0: I think, l- l- let's try to take a step back a little because actually I was noting down there's so many points here. But for someone who has no idea what music therapy is, Could you please walk us through the process of music therapy?
3: Okay. Um, To be honest, for me, I'm not a trained music therapist. So I just bring in, I really only work with the improvisational aspect of music therapy. Music therapy is a different Definitely a different genre from art, creative art therapy, mm-hmm. but it is it's brought into it in some subtle kind of form or another. So, as I say, my main um, involvement with music is one listening to music, um, which you know we all know the kind of the story of, of of Mozart. Apparently, you know, has a particular frequency that affects our our brain waves and can cause feelings of relaxation and happiness and also get, um, tap directly into the ward centres of the brain. But there are, many, there are many types of frequency of music that can do that. Um, there's also just a general feel-good factor of listening to music. There's also a lovely sense of group work when you're joining together, either improvisation, improvising with music. Um, you know, drumming circles are just incredible and actually really tap into people's heartbeats so your heartbeat, very often in a drumming circle, will actually start regulating itself with everyone else in the group. There's, they've done clinical trials and tests on that. Um, so there's, there's this extraordinary sense of communion with music, which makes it very powerful. Which is why I tend to use it in creative art therapy. As I say, one for improvisational work, but two for kind of the, it, it can create a bit of a, a beautiful sort of thread, you know, through the through the creative program. Um and that could be, as I said, through a drumming circles through doing a little bit of improvisation. In fact, what we did last week, which I just mentioned, was actually a beautiful we, so the, the children involved, I actually asked them to to um, to create their own symphony. You know, we created our own piece of music and they really, really loved it. And so everyone stepped in um, very instinctively and, and and got really deeply involved. And it creates this incredible sense of group harmony. So that can be a very powerful factor in, in building the group the harmony and the connection and the trust and the bond between people in the group that can play a very important role, I find, in 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 the that kind of area of work. I don't know if that
0: answers your question. Yeah. Um to to a certain degree, yeah. I think um more importantly, um our listeners would be interested in finding out if they would if they are interested in undertaking art or music therapy Ideally, what do those forms of therapy address?
3: Okay, so art therapy is the two main types of art therapy, and I think it's really important to mention this here. So you have art as therapy. That is art that is natural because, as as I think Danny mentioned right at the beginning, art taps into reward centers of your brain Art as therapy is art, generally making art and music is a rewarding, pleasurable experience and is naturally therapeutic, whether it's individual or with a group. And there are different rewards in the individual and the group work. So there's that which, which – um, and you find many people – who do run art classes, particularly I find with adults, is quite often adults when they go, as an, as an adult, when you're a lay person, you haven't studied art in your life or you last studied at high school 20 years ago, you're actually very often looking for a kind of therapeutic art class. You know, you're looking for that time out for yourself, a bit of self-investment, going tapping into your creativity and exactly the same what happened to me, that you're not doing anything creative on a daily basis. So you know it's an important part of yourself. So you try to refine find that creative flame, yeah, tap into yourself creative, that sort of art as therapy, and many people do that, and as I say, I find many adults do look for that in an art class. Um, and then you have art in therapy. So art in therapy is once you become a qualified art therapist, and art in therapy means that you're actually doing art as a form of communication, within what is very clearly defined as a therapeutic or therapy session, not just therapeutic, but a therapy session. So therapy being counseling, psychology, you know, whatever the the kind of therapy it is. And those clients are largely people who are concerned with their mental health. So my clients are, yeah, they might be dealing with, very often there's mixed anxiety and depression. There might be, um, yeah, sometimes addiction, Midlife crisis, divorce. child clients with uh, child sexual abuse, um, higher functioning Aspergers, yeah, autistic children. Um, children going to divorce, or adults going through divorce. You know, it's just it's a huge. It it's encompasses sort of almost every aspect of mental health. So anyone going having experiencing a mental health problem. Or going, or just going through a very difficult time in their life. I've mean, even had clients who are, you know, leaving the country and making that decision. It's a really tough decision to make, you know, to leave them or to, you know to to relocate somewhere, um, and they just need that support through the process. So they will come to an art therapist, as they would go to any clinical psychologist or counsellor, um, but. You know, I think the, art, the people who do come to art therapy, particularly expressive art therapy, are often the ones prepared to take a little bit of a plunge because they might not know a lot about art therapy. Clinical, um, you know, cognitive behavioural therapy um, and mainstream cancers have been are much more known in the psychology world, um, particularly in African countries. I don't know why that is. I really don't know why, Um um, also, even in Australia, actually, art therapy is quite new, relatively new. Um, and it was only acknowledged to be part of, it has always been sort of part of the alternative healing sector. Um, but it also became acknowledged by the World Health Organization, I think it was in 2004, um, as part of mainstream psychology as well. And that, in terms of psychological history, is actually, is actually a very short time ago. It's quite soon. Um, so there certainly are many people who I know, clinical psychologists who've never heard about therapy. Um, I know psychiatrists who've barely ever heard, you know, don't, still heard of it, but don't really know what it is. Um, yeah, so we're definitely pioneering a little bit still as far as our therapy goes. <laughs> hmm.
2: I, I have a question um, about some of the attitudes towards it, since you're describing how new it is and how for some people, you know, they're still in the process of accepting it. Um, I think for the general average person who would hear about art therapy and the concept and how it would work, while they may believe that, for many, they may think of it as something that 's too high or too or too highbrow for the average person. You need to be an art snob of some kind or you need to be from a wealthy family to appreciate you know the the rare pieces of art or whatever the case is. I think oftentimes psychologically, we associate things like fine art and so on with something that 's out of reach for the common person um, when when applying art therapy. How can we show that it it isn't out of reach for the average person? And do you deal with a lot of everyday Joes, as it were, uh, using art therapy?
3: Yeah, you know it's amazing the yeah there is that prejudice, and I think that's you you know you you pointed out a very real issue. Um, firstly, all of this is based on. Um, it's not a stigmatization, but they, you know, it's based on not, yeah, just not knowing really that that is the issue um, because people very, the initial response to art therapy is I've been an artist. Yeah. Which is what you've implied in your question. You know. I've been an artist. Well, do you know the amazing thing about art therapy is you do not have to have one single artistic skill in your body. You do not, not, not even have to have ever been to an art class in your life. It is not, it has nothing to do with artistic skill. Your drawings and your paintings can, I mean, I had a client, I'll just give you a quick example, who came to me, yeah, and he just, oh, my gosh, I've never drawn in my life. I didn't even draw at primary school. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, I'll tell you how to start. Uh, here's a huge sheet of paper, I gave a massive sheet of paper, and I said, right, um, here's some paint, and I want you to just, the only thing you're setting out to do is to fill this page with colour and shapes. And do you know how much I got out of that therapy session or how much information I received from that client just from doing that? That requires no artistic skill whatsoever. All it requires is the ability to actually, literally the only ability required was to actually, not even to mix colours, it was just to put a paintbrush in paint, put it onto paper and then clean the brush. That was actually, which which any two-year-old can do. That is actually how little skill is required um so that is it is a myth unfortunately but it is it does have a lot obviously to do with people's insecurities you know they're going to say oh my gosh art therapy of course it means I've got to be an artist secondly to answer your question Janine there there are art therapy is not in any way shape or form more expensive than clinical behavioral therapists I mean I, I won't go into detail here but if I look at people you know therapists psychologists on the it's very very reasonable extremely reasonable cost-wise um So, yeah, unfortunately those myths exist and people do have a resistance. um, But that's actually, that's why it's so wonderful, you know, to be talking here tonight. That's why we need these forums to actually let people know that's what the truth of it actually is. Yeah, to try and disband those myths. I
2: I think it's not really about the expense uh, oftentimes. It's, It's the wrapping one's mind around the fact that Hey, I could do this. you know what I mean i it doesn't have to be uh i don't have to be um a, a fancy schmancy person like this is something that I could do um yeah, and I, I think you're right having these kind of conversations shows that this is one of the one of the possibilities that people could get into um i uh, you you sort of touched on it, but I really wanted to emphasize this um are people um prescribed art therapy as a way to deal with depression for example
3: yes so as i said earlier every almost every form of mental health issue can be dealt with by an art therapist now there are you know various, there's so many different approaches into therapy and into psychology and effectively um Certainly in my own experience and certainly in, in from what, everything that I know about art therapy, um, it can be a, a form of healing completely on its own, Because it, partly because it extends so wide with the different, you know, particularly if you bring in the different modalities, as I mentioned earlier, if you can use a range of different creative forms of expression, it really gives people an amazing option, you an know, amazing series of options. Yeah. Um, but the other, the other kind of way also is of, where some people feel more secure um, if they if they're not familiar with art therapy if it's very new to them or unknown to them. Um, we, I will also work with clinical psychologists who will then, you know, they'll be in in cognitive behavioral therapy one week and me the next week. You know, so it'll work. We'll work as a lovely a very, and that's a very very powerful combination. Um, and can be very, very effective. And I think because cognitive behavioural therapists bring something different to the, to the table. You know, they're, they're very different from art therapists and the approach is very different. So you're actually benefiting from this kind of wonderful array of approaches, psychological approaches. Um, and that's, yeah, that's um, that's very special and very powerful. But it's, it, it, isn't, it isn't essential in any way. You can certainly just see an art therapist um, as your psychologist or therapist um and you'll just benefit in different ways you know i think um i'm going to something at the moment personally called myotherapy which i had never heard before and it was quite funny because I, someone mentioned it to me she said oh, i went to this incredible myotherapy it was so successful and it's done wonders to me and i was i have to say my own prejudice came to certain us also, but like oh i haven't heard of that you know it's very suspicious I thought, oh, it sounds a bit weird like what <laughs> and then um Something she said triggered me and I realised I actually knew the person concerned. So I decided to book an appointment and I haven't looked back. You know, my therapy actually is in fact very much, it's a little bit similar to physio, but it's more mind, body and spirit and deals with your, um, it's very good. I'm working with my spine at the moment and realigning myself Um but, you know, if I hadn't just taken the leap, I, I wouldn't have even known. And this woman lives five houses away from me. <laughs> All these years, this amazing myotherapist has been five houses away. And I didn't even know she existed or that therapy existed. So it was quite a lesson for me. And I thought, you know what, Vanessa, don't be too harsh on other people for not having heard about therapy or, you know, because it, you don't know about these things until they come to you. Until for some reason, they, they, they arrive on your table one day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what 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 what, Listen, what is you know, myotherapy
1: it's myo reformation i'm actually i was actually getting it as as well i was going twice a week what
0: exactly it's,
1: what exactly what happens yeah
0: so you're
1: lying on a table and they do this Um, I would say manipulation manipulation and trigger points. And it's like a massage, but it's like a sports massage. But the interesting thing is they're they're loosening your muscles. They're also stretching your fascia, which is the lining above your muscles, right? It looks like the the elastic band. But what I found so interesting is you're also releasing emotion. You're also releasing memories. It's it's there are moments when it was really painful. I mean, i i would I would have screamed if I, if I wasn't being yeah. shy. But I have a friend who would just scream and cuss. But it made such a difference. I on my physicality because when I went to a boot camp, I did a, a a day boot camp. I didn't have the muscle soreness the next day, and I think I it, I I I attributed to the myo reformation that I was getting done. And it's about an hour. Um, mm. they start on your back, and it's really, really interesting, mm.
2: so it's like yeah. it's like acupuncture, but with fingers
1: with yes, it's mm. yeah, it's like trigger it's like trigger point, it's like doing physio, yeah, it's fascinating, and they're loosening your lymph nodes and you, just trying to loosen oh, your muscle, okay,
0: is that like when when he when he finds the iliocecal valve and he starts doing this in your stomach yes. yeah okay yeah. Yeah. okay yeah, I know. yeah. I know. yeah. How you I
1: know. <laughs> I it's guess. very it's very good. It's really powerful. See, Dan has no yeah. idea what we're
0: talking about. Dan has no idea. <laughs> see, Dan isn't woke. You see, Dan, you're not vibrating at our frequencies, Dan. You know what I mean? And that's why your back is I'm so gonna, I'll
1: refer you, Dan. I'll refer you so you can go Thank get you. it done. It's, Thank you. You
0: see, this is why I'm here to learn. Mm.
1: Yes. yes. Once we
0: open up that Iglo sequel valve, things are going to start flowing. Dan. <laughs> mm, mm,
1: mm, mm. <laughs> it's not for the faint hearted because it, it can be really so. It Mm -hmm. can be really sore. I won't lie about that. Yeah, Yeah. but the benefits are really um, powerful because then you realize how much are you, how much are you tightening, how much are you holding on to. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I remember my. Yeah, yeah, after my second session, I came home and slept at six until the next day.
0: Um. I'll I'll go just for that.
1: What? (laughs) Two hours of sleep. I know <laughs> and I <was> like, <laughs> um,
2: so going back to our discussion about art, um, so I know Vanessa, you actually take uh, uh, what would they be called sessions, sessions. you take sessions of yes. people actually coming to you. Uh, yeah. What if um, while I'm still trying to you know work up the 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 resolve and the finances to sign up for a session? and I decide I want to try and experience the benefits of art therapy by myself, Um, will I be able to experience at least some of those benefits by going out and, you know, buying myself a a, a canvas, you know, some paints and brushes and just doing something by myself at home, you know, put on some Ed Sheeran and just, you know.
3: Mm. Yeah. No, very definitely. I mean, art is, you know, that's the kind of art as therapy I mentioned, where art is therapeutic anyway. You know what the issue with that is? Is you say, what if I do this and that? But you know what I find in my experience is that people don't. <laughs> that's the thing. That's true. Yeah, very, you know, people you yeah, have this wonderful intention to go and like, oh, I'm going to do art twice a week. Unless you go into a structured formal environment where it's a workshop or um, with a group or an art therapy session, I find people actually don't do it. They just generally don't. And the months go by and the weeks go by and the years go by. <laughs> and mostly they don't. So, yeah, and that's, you know, I think it's the same with anything. I mean, it's it's kind of, yeah. I, I actually, it's, in fact, it's not the same with anything because people go running around the block every morning and make themselves do it, um, whether they actually enjoy it or not. But with art, I really do find in my experience that people are very unlikely to do it unless they actually signed up for something. Unless they have the motivation of the therapist or the group or I'm going with a friend. I quite often have friend groups. So you just contact me and say, right, three of us are friends. We'd like to come to a group. And that might be, sometimes it's not therapy. Sometimes it's just a therapeutic art class. You know, say it will time out in the week and they're just so enjoying And they say to me, I, we'd never do this otherwise, you know. <laughs> no ways.
2: Okay, so so there's a the therapeutic side of things, right? And then obviously now there's the actual therapy together with the qualified therapist as yeah. yourself. So so you would be you would be deciphering and and intimating from the art that is that is made. Um, you know, a person's demons was deep inside.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know what? Okay, so art therapy taps into your unconscious self. I actually believe. Um, not only from my own studies, which my own experience, it taps into your unconscious self more quickly than any other form of psychology. I actually really do believe that, and I really believe it, as I say from all my own studying my own experience, everything that i 've ever read. Um, the reason is that our sensory selves, which is how we create what what we use to create um, and to make art, is unconscious. So when we tap into, when we start making art, we're immediately tapping into our sensory nature, our sensory psychology, um, and and therefore immediately we're tapping into our unconscious. The minute we go into our cognitive reasoning, you know, reasoning mode, which is obviously um, our talk mode, we are very, we highly conscious. We're always, you know, thinking what we're saying, um, adapting it, changing it, you know, moving it around, controlling it. But we can't control our unconscious selves. So the beauty of it is that it just comes out through art in a way that is totally without control. We can't control it. So you have to be courageous. You know, sometimes I think without therapy, people do feel a little bit like they're jumping off a cliff, especially at first. Then they become accustomed to it and become more and more courageous as they go on. But there is that feeling of fear, like vertigo. Oh, my gosh, like. And, and that's why it's so emotive as well. I mean, I have almost, uh, in fact, I've never had a workshop, art workshop, where someone isn't, at least two people aren't in tears at some stage in the workshop. You know, it gets very emotional because you, you're you tapping right into that side of yourself that you very often see you confronting it um, in a way that you, you haven't confronted before. And um, and you're working with stuff that very often you had no idea was there. It's been it's been similar to myotherapy therapy actually, Dr. Nero, In a way, it's, it's it's been trapped there, and a lot of the that a lot of that trapped emotion does just automatically rise to the surface in art therapy. But another thing I just wanted to answer from what you were saying earlier about you know, it's not yeah, it's not just the cost is is no more expensive than cognitive behavioral therapy, but art therapy can really, can happen, honestly, on a, on a, with a pencil, a pe- one single piece of bond on the side of the road. You know, it's, there's nothing about location or you don't need expensive materials. Um, I'm actually working in this organisation that um, I'm a director of called Creative Mind Health that we started quite recently. Yeah, the Foundation for um, Occupational Expressive Art Therapy. Uh, we are running a group of women, an art therapy program, which is funded by Tree of Life, which is the two Tree of Lives. The one is in Ruhr. We're not connected to the real one. We connect to the one that's just off Herwith Road. Um, and they are an amazing NGO. And we managed to get USAID funding to run this program. And the women in the program were all sexually trafficked. They were sent to Kuwait on apparent job postings. And sexual traffic. and it was in the paper a number of years ago. I don't know if uh, if any of you actually saw that. Saw that, mm-hmm. but it was all over the papers. They came back to Rari. They were ostracised. Many would were, were just you know um, completely rejected by family members and community, and really severely criticised. And their lives were destroyed. Well, the amazing and beauty of this is they not only are refinding themselves through this program, but they. Many of them are in, you know, they still are in jobs like, you know, tomato vendors, um, you know, n- nothing fancy, but incredibly um, brave, courageous, amazing, intelligent people who have, who really are finding their way through this program. And um, so it just it just shows you that art therapy really can reach everyone, you know, at any kind of level, um, socioeconomic level. It's certainly not something that's for the fancy or you know, the lead towards it. In fact, it's the opposite of that <laughs> in many ways. Mm.
2: So, actually, just uh, and, and of course, just uh, and, and an added benefit is if you do actually turn out to be good, you can sell your art. You see?
3: Mm. Well, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent as well. Yeah. And so, you might, you might just, we've definitely had people on programs who, are, who do discover incredible mm. artistic talent and in fact yeah yeah, and become artists as well yeah i mean i've had actually quite a number of people who have come to me um particularly for therapeutic art the sort of art as therapy aspect and then ended up exhibiting their work i have many many people who come to me and have ended up exhibiting their work
2: i've I've just realized latent and talent are anagrams of each other latent talent anyway
0: have you have you taken have have you taken your ad role today dan (laughs)
2: <laughs> please go ahead philip You're, you were saying something i
0: was gonna say yes um i mean the first benefit of that is that dan if you recall the last time we had an art therapist on the show i drew a, a lovely art piece that became our episode artwork and the the fans were clamoring for for it i'll, I'll be releasing an nft of that soon but the one thing you you touched on that i also wanted to discuss earlier was let's say i've been through a really traumatic experience and i've, I've suppressed those memories or those emotions. And therapy or art therapy now has those thoughts and feelings resurfacing. Um, As an art therapist, are there any protocols or guidelines that you guys have in place to help someone process those feelings in a safe environment? And if so, what yeah. are they?
3: Yeah, and the the, the program I just mentioned, um, the group of women you have been running this program for, that's very, very relevant because they specifically experience trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, not everyone who comes for mental health reasons has experienced trauma. Some are more, they might be just going to divorce or yeah, relocation or, you know, that's not, I mean, there's trauma within that, but it's not the kind of extreme trauma that you're probably referring to now. Mm -hmm. Um, So with extreme trauma, there are lots of prescriptions in the way that we run workshops, and and um, and even actually in a, in a in a in a in a closed private you know one-on-one client client situation, there are certain protocols that really do need to be observed. So, yeah, that's a really good question. So, in fact, at the beginning of say these group sessions you're running at the moment, we go through a, a kind of initial um, screening program. So we find out where people to get a kind of snapshot of where people are at the moment, and some of those are um, in the particular NGO I'm working for at the moment. They're, they're actually DSM screens, so they are official um, psychological profiles, official psychological profiling to make sure we know when someone starts the program. It's part of the protocol that we we, we have to follow. It's very important, um, but then even in just the session, our initial part, our initial introduction to session is always establishing confidentiality, safety, no group situation, say. Um, so we have to establish many rules at the beginning of a workshop, and that's really, really important, and make sure everyone is fully on board with what those rules are um, in order to establish that safety. Um, and then, for example, in the recent series of workshops we are running the, for the NGO, the, um, we found that... Yeah, that when people were kind of to kind of debrief after the end of an art therapy se- after the end of an art session and talk about it, what the experiences were the big group was too big you know there were six 16 in a group and they're just too many people and there wasn't enough trust so we then we had to make very like emergency contingency plans what are we going to do in this situation now this is not working there's not enough trust so we divided it into groups of four and that has worked absolutely brilliantly. So there's been a huge build and we kept the same groups of four every week after week so that they built up an incredible trust with the facilitator within that group. Because that was a small enough, much more easy group to handle. Yeah. So there's a huge amount that has to go into that process for yeah, in terms of building up the trust, the safety. Every single week that we that we rejoin, we go through those same rules. You know, how are we feeling? let's remind you, you know, this is, a, this is a confidential situation. We have to check the things like photographs, photography. We cannot take photographs of people. Um, expect, we cannot take any photographs for social media because there even might be just one person in the group who might not benefit from that or to cause an issue in the community. So even that we can't have social media photographs, there's, there's huge privacy issues Um Yeah, so that is a very, very important question and a huge part of the work we do as art therapists, ensuring that that confidentiality is one of the biggest factors. Um, And we have to, be you know, in, in any kind of psychology, obviously that's of paramount importance. And, I mean, I, in fact, don't, I don't tell people, I never tell people who my clients are. So I think some people think they're fictitious and I'm making up that I have clients <laughs> I don't ever, it's a tiny little community this and lots of people might be they might know who they are, but I can't I can't say who their names are, I can't say so and just come to see me for reasons of confidentiality. Mm. Um yeah, so it's it's a really, really big issue that, yeah.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Um well there's actually a few more questions that I had. Um I think just to lighten the mood a little. But I think it's, it's, uh, I think let's start with this because it's very practical. Um, are you at liberty to say what your career was before you became a full time artist and art teacher?
3: Okay, well, no. Well, I so I went into from university. I went into working for an NGO it was my uh, my first job, mm-hmm. and I did some part time teaching at the University of Cape Town. Then when I moved to the UK, I went into full time journalism and publishing, so mainstream publishing. Then I moved to into legal publishing for a while, then I moved back into so it was journalism, copywriting, publishing. Yeah, very much in the kind of literary sort of the world, but I always did art. So art, I started exhibiting my artwork in the year 2000 in the UK. Um, so, that, so my involvement with art was very intense, and that's when yeah. So, um, so the writing, yeah, so the writing, the art, 100% endemic to my life. Um, and then I had that whole experience, which I mentioned at the beginning, when I started painting using art therapy as a tool, without even knowing that it was art therapy. Mm-hmm. And that's what ultimately led me and into yeah into te- and also had a lot of I did a lot of teaching along the way as well, teaching art particularly, um, yeah. And then that's what led me into studying art therapy. Yeah, I'm going into into mental health full time now. So.
0: Okay. So the reason I asked is. Um... I think a lot of artists listen to this podcast as well uh, or people who are interested in art. But in the conversation we had even before we started recording, a lot of creative people struggle to figure out how to approach their creative endeavors like a business. And just from the the, the brief conversation we've had, I seem to glean how you were able to, or f- from my um, estimation anyway, Um, take your business background and use that to inform how you approached your artistic pursuits. And I wanted to know if, as someone who is well-traveled and lived outside and in Zimbabwe, if you do have any insights with regards to how best someone who has a creative outlook or creative mindset can apply business principles to their creative work
3: it's interesting. I think that's very flattering you said that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's here, but, <laughs> um, but, you know, I do think, I think that there's a lot of, um, one needs kind of entrepreneurial ability and skills and um, the courage, I think, to, to be entrepreneurial in this kind of work. And you know that also from being, you know, radio really presenters. I think... You know, um, I've often had to come. I have to come up with ideas all the time. You know, I'm going to try this series of workshops. I'm going to write this kind of program and then run it, and that's what we do all the time. So there is a lot of kind of entrepreneurship and what we do. But the beauty of that is that you know anyone who's a highly creative person, and so many people are, is going to be someone who can come up with those ideas. And I think it's more having the courage, actually, or your conviction, to say if I design this interesting. Fascinating program, well, all I need to do is design it and then go out and advertise it and you know, and if people are interested, they'll come. But it's having it's more, I think more than anything, it's just having the courage of your conviction to be actually just prepared to go for it and do it. Mm. Okay. And i definitely I definitely have to say I have built up a lot more comfort. You know, as you build up your creative portfolio, I mean that's the other thing that I think that's relevant, is when I was younger, and especially after I left university, I always felt, well, I have to be one, you've got to be either a writer or an artist. You know, in a way, because I think that's how we taught at school. And sort of like, either either you're going to be of writing fame or you're going to be of art fame. You can't do both. I mean, that wasn't even considered an option when I was like a teenager (laughs) and a young adult. So, and then I began to realize, but hang on, you can actually have what, you know, a creator portfolio. And your creator portfolio involves any creative pursuits that you're good at and have some talent at, and you can combine them as much as you like. And I think that's what I've done for myself. But it took me a really, really long time to accept that about myself. I always felt like it should be one or the other, and actually it wasn't that just a butterfly who was flitting around and not and not committing to one thing or the other. But I eventually accepted it. But it, it actually probably took me 20 years, <laughs> in all honesty. <laughs> Okay. When I stopped fighting myself and I realized it's actually fine to be involved with writing and art and music and, you know, combine them together. Yeah.
0: Okay. 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 Wow. And then I, I have one, one final question. Um, I was looking through your bio and it
3: did say that you're an opera singer. So, um, uh, no, not, Oh no, I did not write that. He wrote that. I'm not an opera singer. <laughs> well, let me, let me,
2: well, it's here. So let
0: me, let me, let me, let me control, control F and, and pull up the sentence. It says, <clears throat> her, whilst living in the UK, having a music ear as well as (parentheses) operatic voice training. So, according to that,
3: okay, all right. I did no, but that does not mean I'm not the singer. Sorry, that's definitely the case. I'm not an opera singer. <laughs> sister, I did do voice training. I did voice training um, in, yeah, with an amazing lady here, and um, and then I took up and then I left it for a few years, and I went back. So. I, my music teacher at the moment is a tenor. So, like, I've been told I have been told I have to call it operatic training because it's not, it wasn't just okay. pop or jazz. Okay. Yet. And I'm not an opera singer there. No. Wish I was. <laughs> You'd be happy to know
0: you're <laughs> amongst your kin, you know. Uh, both Dan and I have been known to dabble. Uh, we're part of a barbershop quartet. Um, we're,
2: we're oh, too, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're too short. Classically trained. Classically trained. Yeah. Myself in the harmonica, Phil and in the, the triangle.
0: No, in the spoon. Don't
3: forget that. <laughs> <laughs> the is actually a really beautiful instrument. <laughs> I've been using it with my kids recently. It's a beautiful instrument. <laughs> yeah.
2: It requires years and years of training to master. So I agree <laughs> with
0: you. I mean, that triangle, I man, you've you got to get that ting right, then. It's all about timing. It's all about timing. Um, but yeah, I think this was a very insightful chat Dan, I don't know, do you have any more
2: questions for our guest? No, I think we've we've Covered a, a good range of discussion Points here, thank you very much Vanessa for coming Through mm-hmm.
3: well, Thank you so much and Vanessa, just anything? If anyone wants to get Hold of me to sit to, to If they were looking for a night therapy session Do you send out details or
0: Yes, yes, sir, please, please Please, please pl- plug yourself Plug yourself away
3: Okay, great, so um, I just use really WhatsApp and um, an email. So my WhatsApp number is plus um, For anyone who wants to um, book a session or set up a workshop. Um, I also offer therapeutic art classes. So it's also art as therapy on um, the same, same details. And then my email is vanessa at arthouse.co.w. Said, Art House. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's a real honor and thank you for having me. <laughs> it was interesting.
0: No, thank you. It was a great conversation. We really appreciate it. And um, sadly, we, we seem to have lost Gladys, AKA Dr. Nirai. Um but we, yeah. we, we will hold the foot down without her. Um, don't forget to follow Dr. Nirai on social media. It's Dr. Nirai on Twitter and Dr. underscore Nirai on Instagram or Sage R on other, on all the other platforms. And, of course, don't forget to follow Wired to Love and Thrive. And, of course, thank you to our sponsor, Bon V Medical. Um, If you'd like to get hold of them, please follow them on social media. That's Bon V Medical. Or head on over to TrueBrookTwimbles.com forward slash Bon V for more information. And, Dan, what is Vongai's number?
2: All right. So you can also get in touch with Vongai on loading. Wait, that's not a phone number. On, please wait. That's not a phone number either. Wow, this is very, very interesting. I think the actual phone number is.
0: This is very professional. This is incredibly professional. In front of guests. In front of <laughs> you of
2: threw guests. me under the bus there, Philip. But guests. I do actually have the phone number. You can call Varejdo on zero seven eight seven zero six zero zero three seven. I'm sure you can even WhatsApp her. So yeah
0: yeah at late at night after hours she'd appreciate that <laughs> so yeah thank you so much and, and don't forget to, uh, to to follow vanessa hansel oh i don't i don't think she plugged her instagram which is vanessa underscore
3: art,
0: yeah. underscore therapist yeah. underscore artist I
3: have, to, I have to check yeah is that, is that correct have you got my, got my instagram
2: yes. right? vanessa underscore art underscore therapist underscore artist yes yeah please do you
3: can message me on that yeah as well yeah brilliant Lovely, lovely.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you for
3: joining Great me. to meet you both. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you it was Cheers. an absolute
2: pleasure. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.
3: Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.